For many, many years, I've asked new clients in writing, if we decide to work together and we're successful, what's that going to look like? But now, I add a second question very early on, and that question is, what did you have to do to say stay or to accommodate to whatever family and culture you were born into? When we can identify that, and sometimes it's unconscious, it takes a while to ferret it out, but once we identify that, we can focus on what the client has to do to stay safe, and we know what we have to work on because almost inevitably they're repeating what they did in their early childhood. And if they try to change it, the amygdala says, don't do that, that's what kept you safe, keep on doing it. But the amygdala is not very logical. So mostly people who come into my office are doing something that they found kept them safe but it isn't working anymore because they're not in the same environment and dealing with the same culture. Instead of focusing on all the terrible things that other people did to them, we focus on what they did and what they have to do in order to realize the goals they have for coming to see me. And what they have to do is change that early coping mechanism because it's getting in the way now. However, it's very difficult to do that. It's just as difficult to do that as to get rid of any other compulsion or addiction. So I warn them that they've got to take very small steps and be patient because as they try to change that, the amygdala is going to say, don't do it, and they're going to get very anxious, or at least anxious. They're often very anxious. And then they're going to have to have a way of handling the anxiety. And there are many ways of doing that. There's meditation, there's running, there's uh, breathing, which is probably the most important thing one can do to handle anxiety. I teach them many different ways of breathing, but it's up to them, whatever feels good for them. But the focus then becomes on what they did right in their early environment. Even if they were creating a multiple, or drinking, or running away, or failing to reach for what they wanted, or stealing. They did it to survive and feel safe in their original environment, and everybody needs to do that. So instead of focusing on a diagnosis, which I have to do if I'm collecting insurance, and which is sometimes a guide to the best way of working with somebody. But instead of making them wrong because they have this diagnosis of something that's medically wrong with them, I give them the feeling that they were right. And that creates a better connection with the therapist. And connection, good connection, safe connection, is what therapy is all about. So I developed a workshop to teach this. And when I do that workshop, people pair off and ask each other what they had to do to stay safe in their early environment. And they start talking like crazy. They get very interested in what they had to do. 
But the focus is not on what terrible things happened to them, and many terrible things did happen in their early environment, but what they have to do to climb out of the thing that kept them safe then, which is interfering with their life now. So I developed a questionnaire that people can use, and it, if we decide to work together and we're successful, what would that look like? I've always asked that. And I ask people to put that in writing so we can refer to it later. But now I'm adding, tell me how you cope with or kept yourself safe during your early years in your family and culture of origin. And that makes therapy go much better. It goes faster, it's more focused, and it doesn't make anybody wrong. It makes them right. Then I ask, where and how in your behavior and in your body does that way of keeping safe manifest today? Because it's not just in thoughts, it shows in bodies. The way the head is held, whether you have eye contact, whether the shoulders go up when you breathe, when you're breathing deeply at all, all those things manifest in the body as well as in thoughts. And I ask, would you like to modify or change your early way of staying safe because it's no longer what you want? And if you modify that, that way of being, would you feel anxious? And I warn them, yes, you will feel anxious. And then you have to find ways of dealing with that anxiety, which isn't easy. It's as hard as dealing with any other kind of addiction. It doesn't have the physiological response. Well, it does, but it's not like you get sick from going off with heroin, but your heart beats faster and you have some of those manifestations. I ask them not to be too impatient with themselves because it's gonna be hard to change. And I ask them for homework to write a detailed description of what, it, what they think their initial uh, way of coping was, so they get really clear about it. And it's extremely useful with couples, because once the couples identify each other's way of coping, then they know what triggers their partner. And when they know what triggers their partner, they can learn not to respond personally to it their partners yelling at them, it's not because they want to yell at them, it's because they've been triggered. And so you can, the partner can say to themselves, you know, that's not about me, I'll, I'll just know it's the, a trigger. And I ask couples to write down their triggers and each other's triggers so that they are not then triggered by them. <laughs> I had a warning that coping mechanisms are not always conscious, or they're always partly conscious, and sometimes they're unconscious, so it takes a bit of digging to figure out what the mechanism was. Then, I was introduced to Stephen Porter's work on the vagus nerve, and I opened the book, and in the glossary I see 
At times, behaviors that are initially adaptive may become maladaptive. For example, this would occur if an acute behavior that initially enhanced survival or minimized distress during threat is chronically recruited when there is no threat. Well, I think it's not only sometimes, I think all of us have these coping mechanisms. And the more difficult our environment was when we were little kids, the less nourishment and safety we had in our connection with others, the more difficult it is to correct the coping mechanism. But I was just floored by seeing an exact description of what I was working on in my workshop in Stephen Forge's book. This recording is part of the Somatic Mindfulness and Relational Psychotherapy podcast. See the website relationalimplicit.com.